You are listening to Prime Venture Partner podcast where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, new CXOs and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India. This is Shripati Acharya, managing partner at Prime Ventures. Welcome to the podcast series by Prime Venture Partners. Prime is an early stage VC fund investing in technology and product focused businesses. Today we have with us Rajiv Shivatsa, co-founder of Urban Ladder. Delighted to be in conversation with him. Welcome, Rajiv. Thanks, Shivati. Always a pleasure meeting you guys. So uh, let me just start out with a question which is on my mind, which is you are co-founder of uh, Urban Ladder. Urban Ladder is such a successful brand, a consumer brand. So uh, thoughts on why you decided to move on? Um, as a founder, I think it's always a very hard decision uh, to move on from the startup that you have founded. But I think we also have to realize as to what uh, the priorities are. So number one, I continue to be the board member. I continue to be actively engaged with Urban Ladder in a very different capacity, right? And that's something that I've been sort of consciously thinking about to be able to work with Ashish directly on the strategy as well as on the people front. And that's something that I will continue to do for the foreseeable future. But also as a board member, you also realize is that there are times in the company when there are better suited members, a fantastic team that's uh, just better suited to do what the company is going to be doing right now, which is for us, I think in our evolution, it's very clear that omni-channel retail, building a very profitable business and making sure that the brand stands out as a very strong product and service brand is the key to what are going ahead And when we started, we started as a technology company. We started as a brand which was purely selling online. And today, if you had asked me, there are just a lot stronger people to be able to build this kind of business. So you also evaluate that. And today, the team that we have is really well suited to do that. And it's been doing that from a turnaround perspective. The last but not the least, I think as a professional, you also uh, have your own professional needs, right? And though it's number three in your list as a founder, you're first a founder, you're then a board member, and then you are a professional. And I've been also thinking about, you know, I just touched 40 last year. What is it that I want to do professionally? And there's a bunch of excitement that's happening on various other spaces. So I thought, let me take a break. And I still don't know what exactly I'm going to do next. I thought, let me start on a clean slate because it's been 18 years of working. And I thought, let me just take a three, six month break and then figure out what next. Well, I... Uh, I remember the first days of Urban Ladder when uh, we had uh, both you and Ashko in our in our office and you were going around doing customer research and all that stuff. Seems like a long time ago. So I'm going to take you back to maybe a few years back and uh, tell me about a time when you had that first wow moment as the founder and you said, okay, we are on to something here. There were, I think, uh, quite a lot of war moments in the early days, right? Especially because you're doing a startup for the first time. And I remember the time when we were sitting in the Angel Prime office at that time for the first four months before we actually moved into our own office. So thanks you guys for that because we used to have a lot of very useful discussions during that time. For us, the first war moments actually came when the customer, the first customer got our product or, you know, and they actually had a great thing to say. Or the first war moment came when we got our first genuine social media review on Facebook uh, saying that, you know, we had a fantastic product and a fantastic service. We also got our first warm moment when we actually rolled back a bunch of things that we had done. You know, when we started, we started uh, All India Online and there was such fantastic feedback from Bangalore where we were delivering ourselves and really bad feedback from Delhi and Bombay and the rest of the cities where we were working with third party logistics providers, right? Mm-hmm. And for a startup at that time, we were funded $1 million. We were uh, just 45 days into our business to actually pull back 30% of our business. We said, we are not going to deliver All India. 
because the customer feedback was not really the kind of feedback that we wanted for Urban Ladder as a company. So we actually lost some 30-40% of business. We opened literally overnight operations in Delhi and Bombay in addition to Bangalore and said we are going to only be in these three cities for the at least the foreseeable future. So I think those were you know some of the wow moments. You know the first investor maybe the first hire on uh, actually a lesser salary than what they were getting because they were just joining for the vision and the values and uh, what we were doing right i think all of these first wow moments first moving into our office you know we took a in marthali in bangalore we took a, a four bedroom uh, very old house just moving into that office a lot of you know moments that i can recollect from those first few months and few days of starting a verbal ladder at the same time i think uh, these wow moments continue in very different versions today when we open a new store uh, in a new city there is a wow moment when a new hire joins and they have their first win there's a wow moment when a new customer service person joins and they take their first call there's a wow moment so i think the kind of wow moments today are very different but they still continue for the team so basically predicating the success of the business on people buying something like a furniture which they are used to touch and feel entirely online how long did it take for you to get convinced that this was actually going to fly now of course i know that you have also gone into omni channel and we'll have a different conversation about that but how long before you're saying okay now i know that this is going to run as a business itself and there is not something the indian consumer will be averse to so while i covered so many on the wow points the one big one that i deliberately did not cover is We were always very clear that there was a market for furniture and while we started online we knew that the customer based on what they were going to buy we were going to alter in terms of what categories we were in what's the price points now we actually got pretty lucky that the customer found that product market fit and helped us find the product market fit very early on and in hindsight it felt like the why of that happened as to because indian customers as you said were not really geared for buying furniture online so i think a few things that we did well when we asked customers as to how they bought from us i think we merchandised very true we did not merchandise either too hyped up nor did we show the product in you know in bad images right and that time you had either these two extremes people used to mm. uh, put up pictures which were completely fake or really the product would look extremely crappy right, right and right. we made sure that the product was beautiful displayed in a very good setting with very good merchandise and people actually got a feel of the finish of the wood all of that right and that was a big part two is the online product which was the actual website experience we made sure that that was also true it had no faff you know it was made sure that you know we put a, a stick figure right next to the product to give a sense of the size we did a bunch of things right on the online product also in terms of just ensuring that customers got a sense of what the product was the kind of features the weight all of that last but not the least i think just making sure that customer stories and handling those customer interactions because it was not like everything was hunky dory on day one right we would get a very good customer story which we would put up on the website and on facebook but we would also get a complaint because you know maybe we screwed up on something handling those complaints in a very true manner helped customers get assured that this is not a fly by night operator this is not someone who's out there to screw me on my money there was someone who was willing to listen who was not going to fake it who was not going to say that they don't have any issues they're just going to acknowledge the issue and move on uh, and fix that issue right and i think customers got that trust so somewhere the product the design came out in the merchandising and the online product and the trust came out in the way we were interacting with customers and the good word of mouth spread so i think in hindsight it seemed like okay maybe customers were just waiting for some of these basic things to happen before they bought something as big as furniture online it was not that the touch and feel because at the end of the day if you see in again hindsight most of the india's furniture market even at that time was carpenter driven and carpenter would show an image 
on a paper and pencil and customers were buying either of that or if you go to a real store they would actually buy most things out of a catalog and customers were buying out of catalogs which had poor images and really deplorable customer service right so again this was something that we figured out in hindsight we also had the same worry that customers would not buy something online like furniture but we went in with some belief that customers given the right product given the right service would buy and that really is what happened that's a really fascinating uh, analog you put there about Uh, the carpenter is actually showing the image it's not like the sofa which he's making is there and what you are doing with all of those things i recall you actually had pictures of people sitting on the thing and the depression that would be on the on the couch and i recall thinking that wow that is actually giving trust yes. so it's really about trust between uh, how do you actually deliver trust online so being an entrepreneur is all not a bed of roses so tell me about a time when you probably felt the weight of the world on your shoulders right i mean we don't talk about that as much but you know that's the reality i think the weight of the shoulders on the entrepreneur is probably a lifelong thing once you decide to be an entrepreneur and there were a lot of such moments also right and it could be very different things you know you had people leaving for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. let's say you know when you've sort of built a great team and for a variety of reasons let's say there's either a massive market out there where you know they're getting very good uh, roles or you know for a variety of reasons people leave i think that's one thing that the entrepreneur always sort of takes it close to their heart two is when let's say you've done an implementation or a project and that's not gone well and that's sort of impacting customer service right for example we had a big system upgrade last year but we timed it really wrong and the customer service scores really went south and you don't want to as a company that's built on customer service you don't want those kind of things to come and impact your customer service score right uh it could be let's say maybe some conversations a vendor that did not fructify or some negative press i think you sort of you know or you're not able to have worthwhile career path for someone that you really got in with a you know great aim i think there are a bunch of reasons which are usually people related or product related that usually has a lot of heartache uh, as an entrepreneur but the good part is i think just like individuals have a lot of staying power and go through a lot of these ups and downs even as a company i think a company is also an or- a living organism at some level uh, also has its staying power to go through these ups and downs and over the last 7 years i think we've had both the ups as well as the downs and today we are at i think a far stronger position than ever before with the charter of being a profitable efficient company so i think that's just part of every company's life that we'll have to go through that and as an entrepreneur you just have to not just have your own staying power but embed that as a culture and today the team that i see at double ladder given some of the difficulties that we went through in the last 6 7 months in february and march of this year i see a far stronger team just them as professionals as well as sort of the bedrock for on which urban ladder rests far stronger so one of the things which i actually distinctly remember about you and ashgo when you were starting the company is about the focus you guys had on the customer experience and uh, actually i heard the book the four steps to epiphany from you guys uh, i heard about lean startup but you said okay you know read that book which is of course a bible and it's fascinating that i think you guys actually followed that before you started not i don't know many people would actually know about that but what is an advice that you would have for uh, you know we have entrepreneurship on a rise the quality of entrepreneurs increasing uh, which is very exciting any one piece of advice you would like to say hey look you know this is which is coming out of your experience which you like to share i would think just getting your customer satisfaction score now there are multiple ways in which you can measure customer satisfaction it could be just the csat which is customer satisfaction it could be the net promoter score which is nps which could be customer effort score which is the ces and there's a lot of literature out there on all of these three measures but getting these parameters right from day 1 in whichever way or form right you're not just because you've raised a lot of investor money or just because you have a fancy idea 
do not ever get that into a bad zone right because that for me is an area money well spent because that's literally the first marketing money right customer satisfaction and customer referability is literally the best marketing tool it is not the amount of money that you go blow up on facebook or google that is the best way to make sure that there is trust built in the brand that is the best way that you can ensure that there is a lot of positive vibes in the people joining you because let's say you're building a brand in india people that want to join you because they have heard good things about you as a brand from their friends so when you invest in customers right from day one to build a brand which they can trust it not just improves a score which is the customer satisfaction score it reduces your marketing cost it improves your overall economics because those same people will come back and buy more it improves your ability to get smart talent and so don't look at customer service as just a function look at it as a cultural element and make sure that you're getting it right from day one and do not scale up till you get that right very well put because so much easier to retain a customer than acquiring brand new customers all right and so loyalty and referability adds a lot So what is an advice that you have heard being given to entrepreneurs and there's a lot of it out there which you would debunk and that you would say is the worst kind of advice I think burning money and we have seen some debacles off late even in the you know US stock markets but I think the whole thing about burning money to achieve crazy scale and there are times when the macro environment demands it from you maybe investors demand it from you but I think that whole uh I wouldn't say it's the worst advice in some situations you probably have to do it but I would say more often than not you should not do it and I think that's something that you will have to take care of right just because you have a lot of capital scaling up things or growing the wrong way just getting too many people too fast getting a fancy office blowing money on ads all these are things that look great on paper to get the next round of funding but really you're not building a sustainable company right and for us always it's been about sustainability and even in those rare times when maybe we also made that same mistake we've always pulled back right and for me as an entrepreneur anyone who says you can just go buy your customer i don't think that's the right strategy right just by investing a lot of money in ads you have to make sure that you're scaling your fund foundational product up you're scaling your systems up you're scaling your culture up and there are ways and means to do all of that stuff so just because you've got capital just don't blow it and try to do this all unnaturally i don't think it's possible right just make sure that you have a clear way to do some of this stuff and then do it once you've done that right then you can hyperscale but before you do all that you can't hyperscale and also the other thing is as you expand to newer customers the product market fit becomes a question mark again so do not scale up too fast thinking that just because you've got let's say x number of customers 10x customers you can get with the same product doesn't happen it may not happen at the same product it may not happen at the same price so scaling up while scaling up just make sure that you are always factoring in that at what cost are you getting the new customer and maybe that new customer is coming at a much higher cost so you should not be scaling up too crazily too fast just in the interest of scale so it brings me to an interesting question you just say i made a, a point here rajiv that when you are looking at a new product area right you had to go through that discovery and product market fit exercise again even though you might as a company might have evolved and gotten that fit and scale in some other area so i would think that that must have happened when the omni channel discussions happened within urban ladder right so maybe you could tell me a little bit about how was that like because this was an online culture in the company and you're introducing this completely foreign and maybe an object which is people are not even like for it they're probably against it So how did that conversation happen and then the decision strategically to move towards it I think uh, two parts to it right one we were figuring out that 
customers, a lot of customers, our own customers are coming back and asking us, where's your store so that I can buy a bigger product. Two is as we expanded to uh, the next set of customers, this conversation was becoming much stronger than our early set of customers, right? It was not like we had not heard this from day one. It was just that we were hearing that far stronger as we expanded to a wider brand and a wider set of customers across a wider set of geographies. Three is it was also showing in our data that the cost of marketing acquisition for the next customer purely online, given the competition, very discount driven, heavy competition online was becoming higher and higher right? In terms of just the pure online business. Uh, Last but not the least, I would also say there was a clear trend emerging that when we did, so we did an experiment. We did a, you know, we had this uh, Urban Ladder Next initiative inside Urban Ladder where we have five projects at any given quarter where they will go try things. A couple of initiatives were around trying something offline. So someone tried something in office, someone tried this in partnership with somewhere. And the kind of interactions and the kind of activity that that garnered, right, was pretty heavy, right? And it was very easy for us to try this as an experiment, right? We didn't open a big store and stuff. We just converted a part of our own office into that. So when we tried that as an experiment and we saw that it was not just customer research and the increasing marketing cost, just the kind of interactions that the customers had with us, the amount of purchases that the customer was making offline and the, you know, integration that we had in terms of online and offline was proving to be that, hey, this could be big, right? Only when we got some of those data points, we actually said, okay, why don't we now try opening a store? And this was, I remember, September 2016, uh, where we took that call, right? And we were also clear that, hey, we were going to be a single brand, right? Because we had, I think, in that year, expanded to a wide set of catalog items, and we were pulling back in terms of the catalog. We were clear that we were going to be a brand. We applied for a single brand license also around the same time, saying, hey, let's be a brand. Let's be very clear on the kind of design that we want to go to customers and the fact of life is 99% of branded business happens offline. So we didn't want to be in a channel, we did not want to be in a channel where business is, right? And it just made prudent sense also to be in a channel where business is. So I think it was multiple factors and it just worked out really well that the integration happened really well. But was it a uh, difficult task to get the company culturally aligned on it, like the DNA of the company? So thankfully, what we did was we sort of tweaked our value system because when you are becoming a single brand, when you're becoming a retail company, you also have to be a lot more prudent on efficiency and profitability. And that's something that we tweaked the value system. But thankfully for us, the way we did even physical retail, there was a lot of DNA of the uh, online company that went into it in terms of either the merchandising, in terms of the way usage of data, in terms of usage of technology, even today, all of that sort of percolates. So thankfully, we didn't have to really alter the company or its DNA. We actually used the best of what we had, tweak the company values a bit and then launch retail. So what next for Raju Shivatsa? Well, I am exactly in the discovery process. It's been three weeks, literally, that I announced. And I said, let me just look at what next in a completely blank slate. So I'm just talking to a lot of different kinds of people, you know, startup founders, venture capitalists, having my own startup ideas. Uh, I think it's going to take me another three, four months to really land at some place. But uh, I will certainly keep you guys posted based on where life takes me. I hope you find your product market fit. Right. Thanks, sir, Rajiv. It's been great having you. Thanks for having me. And it's always great talking. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Prime Venture Partners Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these. You can share your feedback at our Twitter handle at the rate PrimeVP underscore in or leave your review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to the show from. 